body aches at bedtime, Sierra Sil is a natural mineral supplement that supports joint health, calms inflammation, and we're so sure it'll work for you as it has for me and my husband for over 10 years. It has a money-back guarantee. Go to sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to DRIFT. Made possible by Envy Pillow, my sleeping beauty for over 20 years. The Canadian-designed copper-infused Envy Pillow aligns your spine and neck and prevents those lines that sleeping on our face brings. Learn more in the morning at Envy, E-N-V-Y, pillow.com. As good for you as it is Mother Earth. I have a question for you. Would you forgive me for a cliffhanger ending of a much-loved writer's work? For tonight, as I promise you sweet dreams, I must do exactly that. You see, Oscar Wilde wrote many short stories in addition to his poems and his best-known classic, Picture of Dorian Gray. But this short story called The Nightingale and the Rose was simply one of the most beautiful I'd read. But if you'll forgive me, the rose needed a happier ending than the road in which it ends in Mr. Wilde's story. I'm sure if I'm to be haunted for this revision on Drift, his ghost will be most interesting. So it's a chance I'm willing to take, if you will, with me. First, let's take a few moments to get you relaxed and ready for this love story. Take a deep breath in. And out. And just concentrate on that breath. Feel it on the inhale. And on the exhale. Letting all of your cares and your tension, your thoughts and your worries, just go. Feel the sensation of heaviness in your feet. Your calves. Your thighs your backside. Now, release the hold of your hips, your belly, your shoulders, arms, and your neck. Let it just go and rest your head heavily on your pillow. Relax your face, your mouth, your eyebrows, and let your eyelids rest closed. Now, One more breath in and out. And if you're ready, let's drift. She said that she would dance with me tomorrow if I brought her red roses, cried the young man. But in all my garden, there is no red rose. From her nest in a nearby oak tree, the nightingale heard him. And she looked out through the leaves and wondered. No red rose in all my garden, he cried, and his beautiful eyes filled with tears. For want of a red rose is my life made wretched. Here at last is a true lover, said the nightingale. Night after night have I sung about him, even though I hadn't met him. 
Night after night have I told his story to the stars, and now I see him. My love, the professor's daughter, will attend the prince's ball tomorrow night, murmured the young student. If I bring her a red rose, she will dance with me till dawn. If I bring her a red rose, I will hold her in my arms. She'll put her head on my shoulder, and we will hold hands. But there is no red rose in my garden, so I shall sit lonely, and she will pass me by, and my heart will break. Here indeed is the true lover, said the nightingale. What I sing of, he suffers. What is joy to me, to him is pain. Surely love is a wonderful thing. It is more precious than emeralds and dearer than fine opals. The musicians will play and my love will dance to the sound of the harp and the violin so lightly that her feet will not touch the floor. Dancers will part to give her room to float and all will be in awe of the grace and beauty that surround her. But she will not dance with me, for I have no red rose to give her. And with that, he flung himself down on the grass and buried his face in his hands and wept. The nightingale understood the secret of the student's sorrow, and she sat silent in the oak tree and thought about the mystery of love. Suddenly, she spread her brown wings for flight and soared into the air. Like a shadow, she sailed across the garden. In the center of the lawns stood a beautiful rose tree, and when she saw it, she flew over to it and lit upon a branch. Give me a red rose, she cried, and I will sing you my sweetest song. But the tree shook its head. My roses are white it answered, whiter than the snow upon the mountain. But go to my brother, who grows round the old sundial, and perhaps he will give you what you want. So the nightingale flew over to the rose tree that was growing round the old sundial. Give me a red rose, she cried, and I will sing you my sweetest song. But the tree shook its head. My roses are yellow, it answered, as yellow as the hair of the mermaid who sits upon an amber throne, and yellower than the daffodil that graces the meadow. But go to my brother who grows beneath the student's window, and perhaps he will give you what you want. So the nightingale flew over to the rose tree that was growing beneath the student's window. Give me a red rose, she cried and I will sing you my sweetest song. But the tree shook its head. My roses are red, it answered, redder than the great fans of coral that wave in the ocean cavern. But the winter has been cruel. Frost has nipped my buds, and the storm has broken my branches, and I shall have no roses at all this year. One red rose is all I want cried the nightingale. Only one red rose. Is there no way by which I can get it? There is a way, 
answered the tree, but it is so terrible that I dare not tell it to you. Tell it to me, said the nightingale. I am not afraid. If you want a red rose, said the tree, you must create it out of music by moonlight and stain it with your own heart's blood. All night long you must sing to me with a thorn against your breast that must pierce your heart. Your lifeblood must flow into my veins and become mine. Death is a great price to pay for a red rose, cried the nightingale, and life is very dear to us all. For is it not pleasant to sit in the green wood and to watch the sun in his chariot of gold and the moon in her chariot of pearl? Sweet is the scent of the hawthorn, and sweet are the bluebells that hide in the valley, and the heather that blows on the hill. The nightingale stilled her song as she pondered the gravity of her desire to bring joy. And then she continued, Yet love is better than life. And what is the heart of a bird compared to the heart of a man? So she spread her brown wings for flight and soared into the air. She swept over the garden like a shadow. The young student was still lying on the grass where she had left him, and the tears were not even dry in his beautiful eyes. Be happy, cried the nightingale. Be happy. You shall have your red rose. I will create it out of music by moonlight and stain it with my own heart's blood. All I ask of you in return is that you will be a true lover, for love is wiser than philosophy, mightier than power. Flame-colored are his wings, his lips sweet as honey, and his breath like incense. The student looked up from the grass and listened, but he could not understand what the nightingale was saying to him. And he gathered his books, wiped his eyes, and went to his room to sleep on his little bed to dream of the girl over whom his heart was breaking. Although the young man could not fathom what it was the gracious bird was singing, was promising. The oak tree understood and felt sad, for he was very fond of the little nightingale who had built her nest in his branches. Sing me one last song, he whispered. I shall feel very lonely when you are gone. As I shall miss you, she said. But with the strength of commitment and a clear mind, the nightingale sang to the oak tree, and her voice, oh, her lovely voice, was like water bubbling from a silver jar. At last the day was done, and when the moon shone in the heavens, the nightingale flew to the rose tree and set her breast upon the thorn. All night long she sang, and the cold crystal moon leaned down and listened. All night long she sang, and the thorn went deeper and deeper into her breast, and her lifeblood ebbed away from her. She sang first of the birth of love 
in the heart of a boy and a girl, and a rose as white as the foam on the sea began to appear among the leaves of the tree. The nightingale pressed closer against the thorn, and louder and louder grew her song, for she sang of the birth of passion in the soul of a man and a young woman. And a delicate flush of pink came into the petals of the rose, but the thorn had not yet reached her heart, so the rose's blossom remained white. And the tree cried to the nightingale to press closer against the thorn. Press closer, little nightingale, cried the tree, or the day will come before the rose is finished. So the nightingale pressed closer against the thorn, and the thorn touched her heart, and a fierce pang of pain shot through her. Bitter, bitter was the pain, and wilder and wilder grew her song for she sang of the love that is perfected by death, of the love that never dies. And the marvelous rose became crimson as a ruby. But the nightingale's voice grew fainter, and her little wings began to beat, and a film came over her eyes. Fainter and fainter grew her song, and then, she gave one last burst of music. The white moon heard it, and she forgot the dawn and lingered on in the sky. The red rose heard it, and it trembled all over and opened its petals to the cold morning air. Look, cried the tree, the rose is finished now. But the nightingale made no answer, for she was lying dead in the long grass, with the thorn in her heart. At noon, the student opened his window and looked out and rubbed his eyes in disbelief and wonder. Why, what a glorious piece of luck, he cried. Here is a red rose. I have never seen any rose like it in all my life. Quickly, he dressed and left his room running to the lawn where the tree bearing its one beaming crimson rose stood proudly. He plucked the rose from its branch, careful not to snag his hand on a pointed thorn, and gently wrapped the blossom in a bright white handkerchief. Then he ran up to the professor's house with his precious treasure in his hand. The daughter of the professor was sitting in the doorway her little dog lying at her feet. You said that you would dance with me if I brought you a red rose, cried the student. Here is the reddest rose in all the world. You will wear it tonight next to your heart, and as we dance together, it will tell you how I love you. Oh, I'm afraid it will not go with my dress, she answered. And besides... The Chamberlain's nephew has sent me some real jewels, and everybody knows that jewels cost far more than flowers. Well, upon my word, you are very ungrateful, said the student angrily. Ungrateful, said the girl. I tell you what, you are very rude, and after all, who are you? Only a student, 
Why, I don't believe you have even got silver buckles to your shoes, as the Chamberlain's nephew has. And she got up from her chair and went into the house with her dog. Crestfallen, the student ran from the house and threw the rose into the road, where it landed in the rut of a cart path. But just before the wheels of an oncoming carriage could crush it into the dirt and mud, a bird, swift as a peregrine, swooped down and snapped up the stem of the doomed blossom. Ascending with lightning speed, this brown-winged bird, not a peregrine at all, but a nightingale, caught up with the young man and dropped it from above into his path. Startled, the student stopped and bent down to pick up the familiar flower. For a moment, the anguish of his unrequited love was lifted as he was reminded of the perfection of the rose's beauty, each petal a miraculous masterpiece. He cradled it tenderly in the palm of his hands. Finding his way to the same spot on the lawn at which he had wished for a red rose only the evening prior, he knelt down and once again began to weep. His tears fell out of the pain of cruelty for the heartlessness of the vain professor's daughter in her haughty dismissal of him for want of jewels and stature that he could not possibly offer. What did he have for such a girl except for his own boundless love and affection, his devotion and patience, a promise within him that he knew he could easily keep if only she had accepted his gift. But it was not to be. And then, as a warm wind blew across his face, he was infused with a sense of determination. His hopes would not be so casually tossed aside as that rose in the road. Retrieving his handkerchief from his pocket, he dried his eyes and gently brushed the dust from the petals one by one. If she would not wear this precious crimson flower, then he would. Yes, he would, tonight. The student wore his finest dark suit, which might not be favorably compared to those of many of his peers, raised in manors and abbeys, and whose father's names were known throughout the land and in the highest offices that oversaw it all. But still, the young man with the clear eyes, long lashes, and tidy dark hair held high his chin and was, as it turns out, the only one to enter the ballroom wearing such a stunning and still vibrant crimson adornment upon his lapel. He climbed the broad stone steps, dreading with each footfall the moment he would see his beloved and bejeweled professor's daughter dancing in the arms of the Chamberlain's nephew. Through the hall's open windows, he could hear the strains of the heavenly orchestra's arrangements hanging on the warm summer air, intermingled with the scents of lilacs and honeysuckle. The young man entered the ballroom and stayed close to its dark oak walls, where he could observe the gaiety that unfolded before him. Although he did not see the professor's daughter amid the maelstrom of twirls, turns, and bows, 
it seemed every woman there was already in the arms of another man, that the blooms of the garden of carefree youth were being gathered greedily before he had the will to step forth and even extend a hopeful hand. After a time, the music stopped and couples glided towards refreshment, still caught in the intoxicating cloud of their own company. As murmurs and laughter filled the humid air, he sighed heavily and turned towards the tall carved doors from whence he had entered. Feeling an odd combination of regret and resolve, he stood and retraced his steps on the grand room's shining black and white tiled floors towards those doors. And as a tall man wearing a starched white shirt and black tails stepped forth to open them for him, he felt a hand lightly tapping on his shoulder. He turned his head, and there, looking up at him, was the professor's daughter. Are you leaving so soon, sir? She asked with a smile, seemingly having forgotten the cruelty with which she had so easily dismissed him earlier that day. I am, he replied shortly, for there is nothing here for me tonight. But you are wrong, sir, she said, still smiling. Then, noticing his lapel, added, I see that you have brought my rose. It is a rose, the finest of all roses, but it is not yours, he said flatly, wishing her a good evening as he once again turned to step past the waiting doorman. Please stay, she implored sweetly, for I have someone I believe you would like to meet. With that, she rested her hand on his arm and pulled him back into the ballroom. And here is where I will leave you, my friend, to decide just how this story might end happily. For unlike Mr. Wilde, with his choice of unfortunate outcomes, where the rose was crushed, and the young man went back to his studies of math and logic, giving up entirely on love, I'd rather imagine that our young man saw the beginnings of love in bloom this night. Perhaps it was a fellow student, someone he had overlooked while deep in his numbers, but who had always quietly held him in the highest esteem, an intellectual equal, a worthy peer. Or maybe the young woman who had chosen jewels over that precious rose that had cost more, meant more than she could ever appreciate, had a friend, or no, a sister, a kinder, more gentle-hearted and unspoiled sibling who valued love and devotion more than her shallow sister ever could. And perhaps that night they began to forge a deep friendship, these two. And that friendship bloomed into a love that lasted until each took his and her last breath, just days apart, both well into their ninth decade of life. They shared a love so deep, this man and woman, that late on a September day, when they were laid to rest side by side, surrounded by children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren, nightingales sang them sweetly to their rest, and rose petals drifted gently down to land on the soil 
as they were both lowered into the ground. For surely a love this true should have an ending that also pierces the heart with the sweetest, truest melody that might last through the ages. And with that hope for happy endings and a love that stands the test of time, I wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>